It's great to be in church once again. Say to your neighbor, I'm glad I'm sitting next to you. <laughs> All right. Um, even if you're not glad, it's, good. it's a good thing to say. Sometimes husbands and wives are sitting next to each other and they're not really glad about it. You know, that can happen. That can happen. But not today in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, we are going to continue our series on giving. If it is possible, if it, could you remo- reduce the treble um, on this side? Um, it's just a little bit loud here. I'm not sure how it is for those of you out, out there. All right. We're going to continue to talk about the principles of giving. And I gave you an assignment last week. How many of you completed your assignment? Wave your hands if you did your assignment. All right, there's a lot of disobedient people. Wait there. If you did the assignment, wave. Wave. Okay, put your hand down. God bless your life. God bless you. We celebrate your obedience. Amen. What about those of you who didn't do it? Wave as well. Wave for Jesus. Wave for Jesus. <laughs> All right. Um, so, uh, well, you know what? You missed a great opportunity. I was informed from above that those who did it will get a special crown in their jewel. Not really, no. <laughs> um, I wanna gi- I'm going to give you another assignment. Um, so this week, as we're talking about giving, I want to encourage you to give a gift to somebody anonymously. So they wouldn't know it's from you. You know, it would be great to hear some testimonies. Um, uh, but I, uh, somebody shared a testimony about how they did the shopping for someone and they were really blessed. And that's a really good testimony. Um, uh, I gave some people some cakes last week. Hallelujah. That was great. I even did more than one. I gave about four people some cakes. You know, powerful. I bought the cake myself and I gave it to them. I'm boasted. Hallelujah. Cake was uh, three, four, one pound. So it was really good. I was, I was powerful. I, I did well. Hallelujah. So sometimes you can give a gift and it, uh, it may not have a lot of money, but it means something to you, the giver. Even you giving, you are blessed. I'm blessed. I've given somebody something. You know, Jesus said, if, I, if you give somebody a cup of cold water, in the name of a disciple, you will by no means not have your reward. So I'm glad I gave you cake is bigger than cold water. I'm getting a reward. When I get to heaven, I'll say, Lord, I want my reward. Hallelujah. All right. So on a serious note, we're talking about the principles of giving. Acts chapter 20, verse 35. Our Lord, um, Paul the Apostle is speaking to the Ephesians elders. And he says, I have shown you in every way. By laboring like this, that you must support the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, last week, we touched on a few things about giving and we talked about the fact of the Macedonian believers. And I want to read through Um, what it says about the Macedonian believers because they are our example about how we give, how we give to God and also to others. I'm going to read it in the Amplified Version from verse 1. So it says, we want to tell you further 
brethren, about the grace, the favor, and spiritual blessing of God, which has been evident in the churches of Macedonia, arising in them the desire to give alms. For in the midst of an ordeal of severe tribulation, their abundance of joy and their depth of poverty together have overflowed in wealth of lavish generosity on their part. For as I can bear witness, they gave according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they did it voluntarily, begging us most insistently for the favor and the fellowship of contributing in this ministration for the relief and support of the saints in Jerusalem. Nor was this gift of Dias merely the contribution that we expected. But first they gave themselves to the Lord and to us as his agents by the will of God, entirely disregarding their personal interests. They gave as much as they possibly could having put themselves at our disposal to be directed by the will of God. So we will, from time to time, talk about or touch on the Macedonian believers, the fact that they were a very poor community, extremely poor. But nonetheless, when they heard about the need that was in Jerusalem, they were willing to give out of their poverty and beyond what Paul and his team expected from them. All right. Now, we're talking about giving, and we're not just talking about giving financially. We're talking about giving of our lives, of our time, of our ability, of our resources, and yes, also of our finances. We're talking about giving, first of all, to God, just like these believers did, giving of ourselves to God. And we said that when we give, even when we give to other people, first and foremost, we have to recognize that we are giving to God. We are giving because of our worship of God. Giving of whatever we have, whatever abilities, whatever influence, whatever it is, we do it first and foremost as an act of worship. And we said that when our giving is rooted in pleasing God, we do not allow the sacrifice involved or even the pain we feel when we give. Can you just focus, please? Some of you are talking at the back there. When we are giving, we do not allow the pain of what we are giving or the, the, the amount of what we are giving to influence how willing we are to give. But rather, we are doing it because we're trying to please God. So when we give like this, when we give out of this kind of spirit, out of this kind of attitude that we're honoring God, and then we're also not looking about the pain of it or how much it is or what it is, but rather we're looking at whether we are actually willing to do it. We want to do it. That's where the reward is. That's, that's the secret to how we really give. And we'll talk some more about how to give and so forth. But these two things, as believers, we give because we're honoring God. But second, we give because we are willing. Just like the Macedonians, extremely poor community. But nonetheless, they were willing to give 
And when they wanted to give, they first gave themselves to God. Now, when we talk about giving, again, we learn from the Macedonians that giving is an expression of the grace of God. In other words, when we give, we are demonstrating that God has favored us, that God has actually blessed us. When I say blessed us, I'm not talking about God has given us things. No, 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 no. When I talk about God has blessed you, it means God has demonstrated to you that he favors you, that he likes you. And so when we give, we are showing that we are favored of God. We are showing that we are blessed of God. Paul said concerning the Macedonians, I want you to look at the grace of God on their life. So one of the ways we can tell that God has blessed you or that the grace of God is truly on your life is by how you give. It's by how you give. And giving is also one of the ways in which we demonstrate our love for God. It's one of the key ways we demonstrate our love for God. Remember when our Lord Jesus was asked the question, what is the most important command? In other words, what is the one thing that God expects of us? God expects of us more than anything else. What is the one thing? And Jesus said, we are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul, and with all our strength. What does that mean? You see, how you demonstrate you love God is not in a feeling during the time of worship. This is a big misconception. Many times in our times of worship, in our gatherings, people will express themselves with tears and with lovely words. And by, by those things, they say how much they love God. And it's great. It's nice. It's nice. You know, I'm not, I am trivializing. I was going to say I'm not trivializing, but I am trivializing because as soon as we finish our tears and our nice things, the next minute we can insult our brother or our sister if they offend us. You know, so what's all that about? At times, I think our worship times is more for us to feel a certain way than it is to demonstrate our love for God, what we call our worship times. Hallelujah on that happy note. You know, Christians, we like music. We like nice music. We like nice atmospheres. And in the right atmosphere, we'll be willing to do anything. I've seen people give a lot of money in the right atmosphere, and after the atmosphere wears off, they want their money back. <laughs> so what was going on there? But to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength has, is far more profound than how we feel at a point of time. It's to do with the choices we make. And one of the ways we demonstrate our love for God is by loving, um, yeah, our love for God is by loving with all our strength. And what does that mean? It means that, it, it means that we love God with our ability, with our resource, with our time, and with our influence. In other words, what we do with our ability, our time, our resource, our influence, and our finance is an indicator of how we love God. 
So there's no point me saying, Lord, I love you with all my strength. When it is not being demonstrated by what I do with my time, what I do with my resources, what I do with my influence, and what I do with my abilities. The way I demonstrate to God, to myself, and to everyone else, that I love God with all my strength, is by how I use my strength. You get it? Hallelujah, I'm not happy now. So, when we learn to give, one of the blessings that we are, dem- or give to God, one of the blessings is that we are demonstrating our love for God. Loving him with all our strength is, is very important. It's one of the four ways in which we show God that he is number one priority in our life. And we do that by how we use our strength, which is your resource, your time, your ability, and your money, and also your influence. Amen. Now, what is the other blessings that comes by giving? So let's go through it. These were in your notes, and I've kind of adjusted it a little bit. Um, So number one, the blessing that comes with giving, number one, is the general blessing that we have in this life because we gave. So it's like I'm kind of, in a way, repeat myself, but you need to understand this point. There is a general blessing that follows or comes upon any individual that is a given person. That's a general blessing. So several scriptures. Proverbs 22 verse 9 says, He who has a generous eye will be blessed, for he gives his bread to the poor. Another version says, New Living Translation says, Blessed are those who are generous because they feed the poor. Blessed are those who are generous because they feed the poor. So, one of the ways in which you walk in God's blessing is just by giving, by being generous. And when you are generous, it means you give above and beyond what is expected. What is expected. And again, remember, we're not just talking about money. We're talking about our time. We're talking about our resource. We're talking about our influence. We're talking about our ability. So how we are with these things, when it comes to God and when it comes to others, will determine the kind of blessing that follows us. Another scripture which we touched on last week, Luke 6.38, I want to read it in the New Living Translation. Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap, the amount you give will determine the amount you get back. So there is a general blessing that comes with giving. And remember, we're not just talking about money. I want to keep saying this. There is a general blessing that comes with giving love to others, giving kindness to others, giving mercy to others, giving encouragement to others. Giving strength to others. There is a general blessing of the same kind that returns back on us. And uh, 
as I am doing this teaching, I really want you to look at your life about the areas you consider you lack in. And then ask yourself this simple question. How generous are you in those areas? How generous are you in the areas of lack in your life? Because you might get a shock. The shock might be, I'm not very generous in the very area I lack. Hallelujah. Say to your neighbor, he's talking to you. I know some of you didn't say it. You weren't even generous then. Second point. The blessing of giving is that it empowers success. It empowers success. It enables the generous to succeed. Now, there's a very curious verse of scripture in Isaiah 32 from verses 5 to 8. Um, it's very interesting. I want to read it, but the real part I want is verse, verse 8. But I want to read from verse 5. Because I think that in itself, what it says there is very powerful. So let's read it. It says, the foolish person will no longer be called generous, nor the miser said to be bountiful. For the foolish person will speak foolishness. And his heart will work in iniquity to practice ungodliness, to utter error against the Lord, to keep the hungry unsatisfied, and he will cause the drink of the thirsty to fail. Also, the schemes of the schemer are evil. He devises wicked plans to destroy the poor with lying words, even when the needy speaks justice. But a generous man devises generous things, by, and by generosity he shall stand. A generous man devises generous things and by generosity he shall stand. What a curious statement. He is established through generosity. He's established through generosity. The generous man is established through generosity. Now the foolish man, or that word foolish really is stupid in the Hebrew. Stupid man or wicked. Another wicked, wicked, stupid man. I'm just quoting the Bible. Stupid man, wicked woman. It says that that person will no longer be called generous. In other words, now that, that term of generosity has the connotation of royalty. It has the connotation of being a prince. In other words, it's a person who is magnanimous. It's a person who has a, a quality of dignity about them. Respectable person. So the foolish person or the stupid person will no longer be seen as respectable or generous. And then he goes and says, and, but the generous man devises generous things. The generous man devises generous things. You will devise generous things. They look at ways how they can be generous. They look at ways how they can be given. Look what it says about the miser. The miser. Look at what the miser. What does it say about the miser? Where is it? The miser, not the miser said to be bountiful. That word miser is obvious. The people who like holding back. Holding back. You know, sometimes people are are misers when it comes to their emotions. Hallelujah. I tell you, this is a part. Look, don't just think about money. Think about everything. 
areas in your life you are lacking. Some of us are in pain in certain areas of our emotions. And we want others to invest emotionally in us. We want others to come and invest. But why have you been pouring out? And you know, you pour out small and say, I did my bit. That's what we do. I, I did my bit. Hallelujah. It's powerful to be generous. It empowers you to succeed. It really does. It really does. It empowers you to be established. I see you standing in Jesus' name. Also, the blessing of giving is that it is sowing into our spirit. We touched on it last week, but Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 and 8, he says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. The law of sowing and reaping is profound. Don't ignore it. Don't ignore it. I testify to you that whatever you are harvesting now is a result of what you sowed in the past. You may not like it. And sometimes when we say these things, people get really upset. You know that upset is a seed you're sowing? You are, the upset response is now you are not sowing a seed of upsetness. What if you are going to harvest? It is not a good idea to be upset with the truth. Because you are going, you are not, your response is a seed. Hey, you're trapped. If you, want to, if you want to reap life everlasting, you sow righteous things. You respond righteously. Yeah. Well, if you're not happy, and there are some things I'm not happy I have harvested in my day. Who would like to hear one of them? Who wants to hear one of my harvests? This belly. I'm not happy about it. I sowed the wrong seed. So now, I'm now sowing the right seed. You will see the results in the future. Yeah, I don't like the harvest. You can, you can, I can blame it on genetic disposition. Uh, look at my brother Alfred. We came out of the same gene pool. So that's no excuse. I can blame it on uh, my, my work. The work I do. There are many skinny pastors. So you can't. I can blame it on England. You know, England, there's a lot of sugar. It's not England. It is a seed of indiscipline I sold. And it's sold. Yeah. So we have to be honest. We have to be honest. I sold too much sugar into my body. Too much fat. And I harvested it. And it showed. So if I want it to change, I have to change what I begin to sow. You got the point. I can be embarrassed and I can be happy. It doesn't change it. I can say, I don't care. I can say, I really care. It doesn't change it. My emotional response will not change anything. It will just probably make it worse. The best thing is to start sowing the right seed. You, you, you see what I'm saying? See, because sometimes we get offended at unnecessary things. What are you saying? Look at how bad things have gone for me. I came to church to be lifted up and you're saying it's my own fault. 
Well, I'm sorry, but it's your own fault. I'm sorry. Because whatever you sowed is what you're harvesting. You don't like it, change what you are sowing. And when you sow nice things into the life of others, you will get back nice things. Now, you don't get it back immediately. I have to be honest with you. Because sometimes, like I said last week, when you hear something like this, you say, okay, I'm going to start sowing good seed. I sow a good seed into David. I sow a good seed into Tunde and into this one. And then I go here and I get a bad seed back. A bad this back. So, oh, no, you are still carrying forward the things you, you're still harvesting some old things. They're still coming now. So you're getting slapped. Some, maybe you slap somebody like this, but now you're getting pop back, you know. So, you know, don't worry. Just keep sowing. Just keep sowing. And after a while, all the bad seed you sowed, they will all come and go. And now good seed. I see you sowing, harvesting good seed in Jesus' name. In your life, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Fourth point. Fourth point. The blessing of giving is this. It has eternal ramifications. There is a, and for me, in my view, this is the most important. In my view. There is a reward in the age to come because of our giving. Whether it's a cup of cold water or a cake, or whatever it is, when you give the way God has prescribed, as part of your worship, and because you have a willing heart, and these are the two key things, worship and a willing heart. When you give to others, out of those two motivations... There is an eternal reward. In Luke 16 verse 9, our Lord said, I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. Unrighteous mammon, really, the, 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 the Greek should have, can be translated deceitful mammon. It, it's talking about the deceitful nature that money has. The deceitfulness of riches. You know, when you have money, it gives you a false sense of security. Until you've got money, you just say, not me, I don't believe it, I don't care. I did this test many years ago with the church, but most of you were not here at that time. The rest have all moved on or whatever. And it was this. Right now, as you're sitting here, minding your own business, just imagine right now, like wherever your bank account is, imagine you are given one million pounds right now. Boom! Came into your account. How many of you will be happy that that money is in your account? You, you know, immediate improvement. One million. Boom. Before, a minute ago, there was no money. And then... I came as your pastor and said, I believe that it will be good for your soul in the age to come if you kept 100,000 and gave the rest to church. How would you feel? How many of you would be happy I told you that good news? Wave and let me see. Yeah. There is always one. 
notice you feel like you've lost out. Your, your mind is like, hang about me. I will tithe. This one I will tithe. But to give 900,000 to the church and I'm left with 100,000, I don't think so. But like Lindsay just pointed out, before you just, you had no money, now you have improved 100,000, but somehow you feel like you've been cheated, isn't it? It's normal. It's very normal. That's what money does. I have, I have noticed this. You know, one day, I, was, I, I, I had a certain amount of money in my account. And I was really happy. Happy, happy. I was extremely happy. I had, it wasn't that much, but for me it was a lot. I was happy, happy, happy. And then I, and I thought to myself, you know what? This, this happiness is not good. I don't like the way I'm feeling about this money thing. So, so that we're clear. I emptied the money, closed the account, said, gave them all the money away. I didn't like it. I didn't like the feeling. That was the only way I could respond. Somebody said, oh, Joe, you should have just repented. I couldn't. I just liked the money. <sighs> I got money. So I thought, the only way I can kill this thing, give it all away to the work of God. That's the only way I could kill it. Money is very interesting. It amplifies what's already there. And sometimes there's some greed and some money-mindedness lurking in all of us. That's why when you learn to Use money in such a way that when you die, you have a right position with God is wise. That's what our Lord is saying here. Use unrighteous mammon because money is deceitful. The unrighteousness there is deceitful. Use it in such a way that when you fail, in other words, when you die, there's no metaphor. There's, it's when you die. When you're dead and money can't do nothing anymore, what you did puts you in a good standing. Matthew chapter 19, verses 25 to 29. This is after the Lord told them about how hard the rich enter the kingdom of heaven. No, I, I think I got that wrong. I think, I, I think, can you put up verse 20 onwards, please? 19, 20. Uh, okay, fine. 22. Thank you. Okay, fine. Thank you. Now I've got it. All right. So, the context here is that Jesus tells a rich young man when he asks him, what one thing shall I do to enter the kingdom of heaven? And he says, you know the commandments, blah, blah, blah. And he said, I've done all of this. You know, what am I lacking? And Jesus looks into him and sees what he was lacking. It's what all of us lack, by the way. You think, this rich man, let me tell you, the reason why many people are rich is because they can be trusted with money. The reason why many people are poor is because they cannot be trusted with money. God will never give you what you can't handle. Yeah, so all these Christians claiming they are believing for financial breakthrough, breakthrough. Don't honor God's house with their tithe and offering. Are not generous givers. Their breakthrough is a, is a pie in the sky. It will never come. You said amen very loud just now. 
it won't come. It's fantasy. At times, at times, Christians live in a fantasy world. God will not give you what you cannot handle. The devil will, not God. The devil will always give you what satisfies your flesh, but not God. Whether it's money, whether it's a house, whether it's friends, whether it's uh, uh, husband, wife, whatever, if God is giving it to you, it's because you can handle it. But anyway, so when Jesus said, ha ha, the rich man enters the kingdom, blah, blah, verse 19, verse 25, when his disciples heard it, they were greatly astonished, saying, who then can be saved? Goodness me, who then can be saved? Now, this rich man, let me explain something to you. The reason why Jesus said this was because he said, sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and you have riches in heaven, and then come and follow me. And the guy went away really sad because he had a lot of money. And then the Lord said, how difficult it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom. But when I studied this, I realized that it is not just this man that has this problem with money. It's all of us. Because you don't have a lot of money. But if Jesus told you, sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and come and follow me. You say, sell what? What, what did you say? That's what you say. You don't even have a lot of money. How many of you who are not rich, I'm talking opulent rich, not rich in spirit rich, or rich by faith rich, or believing to be rich, rich. No, I mean opulent rich. You're none of, there's nobody I know of in CLF at the moment who's opulent rich. As if you will, if you want to. But not opulent rich. And as with our little 100 pound, 200 pound, 1,000, a few thousand, 100,000 here and there believers. If Jesus, if, if Jesus dared tell a preacher to come and tell you, says the Lord, Sell everything you have. Give it to the poor, not to the church even. Give it to the poor. Because we, we pastors, we say, sell everything you have. Give it to the church. Because <laughs> it comes, it directs back, you know. Give it to the church. It's not me, it's the church. No, give it to the poor. Give it to the poor. Not even to your church. Give it to the poor. So no church member will benefit. And then, come and follow me. How many of you say, yes, Lord, I'm selling my house. I'm giving up the mortgage, the investment plans, the ISAs. I'm giving up the, the children's equity scheme. I'm giving up the shares. I'm giving them up. I'm selling them all. I'm giving it to the poor, the poor people, homeless, this and that. Not, not cancer research. They're not poor. No, 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 no. The poor. We'll touch on the poor next week, uh, next time I teach. The poor, give it to them. How many of you could do it? I will struggle. Even me, and I believe I, I, I gave. Even me, I will struggle. Hey! Did you say the house? Even the house is a mortgage. It's not even yours. But there's some equity, you know. There's some equity in the house. That's mine. How many of you will struggle with that? Come on, how many of you will struggle? I tell you I will struggle even now as I'm teaching this. I will struggle. So go easy on that rich man. Look at yourself. Look at yourself. 
I say to your neighbor, look at yourself. Look at yourself. Yeah. Look at yourself. My, my Ghanaian accent is coming in. Look at yourself. Look at yourself. Then Peter. So, so, so when Jesus said this, he says in verse 25, who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at him and said to, him, to them, with men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Thank God, eh? That's why we're saved. In spite of the condition of our heart, we are saved. Because of a new spirit he puts in us. But then, look at verse 27. Then Peter answered and said to him, See, we've left all and followed you. Therefore, what shall we have? One of the things you need to notice about these apostles was this. When Jesus told them to leave everything, they did it. They did it. That's why they could have the reward that they had. So Jesus said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that in the regeneration, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. The point I want to make here is this. Whatever you do for Christ and whatever you do for the cause of Christ you will always have a reward. So when you are giving, one of the blessings is that it matters and it feeds into your future for eternity. Another blessing that comes with giving, number five, is increased capacity for more. There is an increase in your capacity to give more because you can be trusted with more. The more you give, the more God can trust you with more. Matthew 25, 29, we've already read, read that. But also Luke chapter 16, verses 10 to 12. He says, he who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. He who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful with in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust through riches? We've already read the scripture. And if you have not been faithful with what belongs to another man, who will give you your own? One of the things you need to know about when you give is you are being looked at. God is looking at your heart and your life. Whether he can trust you with more or what's yours, what's really yours. Whenever you give, it is a sign of your level. How you give especially. Not even the amount. God is not so much interested in the amount as its significance to you. It's so important. What you give, what is its, its, its significance to your life? That's what God looks at. So there is an increased capacity for more. And then... And I'll close with this. The blessing of giving is that there is a specific reward attached to specific kinds of giving. 
So there are certain ways, giving, certain kinds of giving that when we give it, we'll have certain kinds of reward attached. For instance, like I've already said, if I give love to people, I'm talking about agape love. There is the promise of receiving back agape love. If I sow grace into my marriage, there is the potential of harvesting grace. You know, grace is where you're showing kindness, you're showing understanding, gentleness. When you could show revenge. If you are married, you know what I'm talking about. These single people who see marriage as utopia. They think the final solution to all the complications of life. Marriage. No, it's the beginning of a new adventure of complexity and challenge. Marriage is the one environment where you can show a lot of grace and get nothing back. I know what I'm talking about. Don't believe me, ask Aisha. She knows as well. It's a very interesting environment. But if you want to harvest the right thing for your life, sow the right thing. Don't worry about the other person. Sow the right thing. So there are specific rewards attached to specific kinds of giving. Matthew 10, 42, whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, assuredly I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. So, even with a cup of cold water, you get a reward. Now, in the previous verse, he says, whoever receives a prophet, in the name of a prophet shall do what? Receive a prophet's reward. So, when there are certain things, when, when you do, or when you receive, you get a certain thing back. So, if you give someone a cup of cold water, you get the, uh, because they're a disciple, you get a certain kind of reward. If you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, you get a prophet's reward, and so forth. So some of the specific ways of giving include giving towards God's kingdom. Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. When you give towards God's kingdom, that is anything that God approves of. Anything that is God's will is his kingdom. That's it. But the next one, and I'll touch on this next week, giving to the poor. Not next week, the week after. Giving to the poor. One of the ways in which you get tremendous blessing is how you give to the poor. How you give to the poor. And when you give to the poor, giving to the poor means they cannot give back to you. Whenever you give to somebody who is poor, it mean, and they are actual poor, I mean proper poor. It means they cannot give back to you. So it's not like you give to the church because you're giving to the poor. No, because you get blessed back by giving to the church. It's not being funny. Because people give to the church, the church is able to help them in some ways. But giving to the poor is very powerful. So we'll talk more about this another time. I want us to pray.
Hallelujah. May you have a giving spirit. May you have a generous spirit. May your generosity transcend every area of your life. May your generosity affect your emotions. May it affect your choices. May it affect your finances. May it affect your health. May it affect your relationships. May it affect your home. May it affect every area of your life. May God bless you because you are a generous person. Those of you who are saying to the Lord, yes to the generous spirit. Why don't you stand? You're saying to him, Lord, I say yes to the generous spirit. I say no to the miserly spirit. That's probably all of us. Um, maybe I shall call it different. Specifically, those of us who have felt like, this is really how I should have called it. Those of us who have felt like we have held back when it comes to being generous. So you can sit down if this is not you. You have held back when it comes to being generous. But now you are saying to the Lord, yes to the generous spirit. Stand where you are. I want to bless you. I want to pray over you. Father, thank you for these precious ones. As you stand, just raise your hands to him. Thank you for these precious ones that are standing. Lord, I speak the spirit of generosity to touch them, to increase upon them. Lord, in every area of their life, let them be generous in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. You may take your seats. Come on. Come on, let's put your hands together for Bishop. You can do better than that. 